welcome back. It is track 18 of Out on That Line. We can officially buy cigarettes now. My name is Jeff here with my co-host Alex. Alex, how are we doing this week? I'm trapped in that space. I've, I've exceeded the space between Christmas and New Year's where you don't really know what day it is or what time of day it is or where you are or what you've eaten or when the last time you've eaten was. I've decided to extend that into the, the real beginning of 2021. So I'm doing well, but that's all relative to the fact that I just exist in a in the nexus of time and space, basically. <laughs> yeah, it is a it's a weird time, especially, you know, being being unemployed. You know, I don't even know what day it is most of the time. Then you throw Christmas and New Year's in there. I haven't known what day it is in weeks. It's like, yeah, Christmas pandemic, New Year's pandemic, just all of it conspires to rob you of any sense of time. It really is just a flat circle, apparently. Yeah. And a lot of chocolate. <sighs> don't skimp on the chocolate. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. Can't it's all do it's getting yourself. you through. <laughs> well, this week we have a couple of exciting discussions. Uh, so our main album this week is going to be the Fiona Apple album, uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, which has won tons of accolades throughout. I think Pitchfork named it their number one album of the year. Um, you know, I hadn't, I wasn't familiar with it until we decided to do it for this episode. Um, so we'll get to that one later. Um, but we also have a uh, friend of the pod, Jesse Taylor, her band has released their EP. Um, it's a five-song EP, came out on New Year's, and it was pretty good. I like to think of this one as it wasn't released, it escaped. And I mean that as a compliment because it was bursting at the seams. And I have to preface all of this with a little asterisk up front, which is I consider, I'm friends with Jesse. I consider her a very good friend. And my trepidation in doing something like this dates back to like the inception of the podcast because when mm -hmm. we started doing it other people friend of the pod molly was like oh i'm really good friends with amy allen who i don't know if you've heard the song difficult but sure that's starting to get a lot i'm difficult i don't want you to stay and change my mind nah, nah, nah. that whatever okay yeah um molly just like grew up with her and knows her and is like yeah i could probably like put you guys in touch and i'm like holy shit but then yeah. I, I immediately had this thought where I'm like, what happens when Jeff and I listen to the album and we fucking hate it? Do we then have this person on the show and be like, it was really great, rip, bleed, <laughs> demon, potato bug, like, can't, can't deal with it. And that was honestly my, I knew the EP was coming out and a friend of the pod, Kuzman, was like, you guys should, you know, do the obvious and review the CP. And I'm, you brought it up to me, and I was like, yeah, totally. And then my immediate trepidation was like, what if I don't like it? Because I know it'll be – it's not like whether or not it'll be good or not, but what mm -hmm. if I don't like it? How do you – do you then tell your friend on a podcast, I don't really like it that much? Yep. Or do you kind of – I mean, what are the stakes of sugarcoating it and being like, oh, wow. You, as my old theater teacher did when she had nothing else to say, you did it again. Yep. You did it again. <laughs> you certainly did something. So, like, that was kind of my fear. And then it, there's this fear in announcing, like, well, you're friends with the person. Aren't you biased? And it's like, yeah, I'm biased to want to like it. I want mm -hmm. desperately to like it because it becomes a conflict if you don't. And I'm happy to announce that purely on its own merits, she saved me the trouble of an awkward situation because <laughs> this EP is really fucking good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really... I you know I, I'd listened to some of the stuff that she she had released before. This is the first I think kind of substantial release that she's done with the Jesse Taylor band, um, 
and had liked what I heard before, you know, in the same way I liked Courtney Barnett album that we did, you know, same way. Just, I love me a good three minute rock and roll song. Yep. You know, that's just kind of my bread and butter with the music that I like to listen to get, get it to the point, get it, you know, no need to really sugarcoat and fluff a lot of stuff. Like I want straightforward rock and roll songs and that's what I enjoy. And she kind of delivered with that. You know, there, it was definitely skewed more towards kind of the pop, side of that you know less kind of heavy like i like my coheed songs <laughs> um but definitely very personal lyrics you know very kind of intricate lyrics as well um and just the the musicality of you know i don't know how much they collaborate as a band on writing the songs themselves um or if it's just all her and she just kind of tells people what to play um uh, maybe we can you know you might be able to clear that up a little bit or she can clear it up for us um but it's it was just all very well put together you know it was a very professional sounding recording and i know that i think they had gone down just before the pandemic or maybe right at the beginning um to record these so she's probably been sitting on them for a while and pretty excited about it coming out and to have it be this good you know it's got to be you know feel good for her but also you know knowing you know not much about her beforehand this has been really excellent to listen to it was really really fun to hear yeah, and and to me, you talk about like it skews pop. It is such an unmistakably indie sound, and by that I mean indie can mean a lot of different things. But you know what it means when I say it's an indie album. Mm-hmm. It's indie rock. It has those hallmarks, but it's so distinctively her. Her vocal inflections that she does. You can't even say she sounds like somebody else. The only compliment I can pay by point of compare and contrast is lyrically her approach reminds me so much of Waxahachie. And if you Mm -hmm. know me, you know, I don't just throw that around to any old motherfucker. That is like the anal of the anal of compliments for me. I do not just do that (laughs) for anyone. Her just, she has these like monstrous barn burner lyrics. Like when out in the storm came out and it was like, I remember reading, she wrote this after the dissolution of a toxic relationship. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, fuck, we're getting Katie Crutchfeld in pain. And we sure did. And it's just this, like, she can express these overwhelming emotions on this massive spectrum, and it's both clear and completely subtle. And Jesse has a very similar talent. And I will Mm -hmm. say, it it dovetails nicely with Fiona Apple, who does the same thing. So, you know, I just, I, I really enjoyed all five songs. I think the one that stood out for me was Adore You. It just has such a, like completely infectious the chorus just that oh yeah like ah god damn i messaged her i was that's the only thing i've said to her about this like it's such yeah. an important moment for her as an artist like as her friend you want to come in and be like congratulations but as soon as you and i said we were gonna do this on the pod i was like yeah i'm gonna wait and i'm gonna fucking surprise her and like that's how confident i am in the quality of this is like the first comments i'm making on her project are going to be public and like yeah. that's how good this is and how much i believe in her so yeah very very happy for her and the yeah. whole band and, and i also yeah i do also want to give you know a shout out to uh, one nick trice who's the lead guitar player in the band um you know i remember we played on a little league team together i don't know if he remembers that uh, but you know my you know 10 11 years old i've you know known him since then went went through high school together um you know kind of were around each other kind of quite a bit in college as well is kind of where I got to know him a little better. Um, you know, so a lot of, a lot of beers 
have died in our vicinity for sure. Um, and he's just, you know, he came down to Austin, played with a previous band here. So I went and saw him play that. You know, he's just always been a really good guy and always has been very intense about playing guitar. You know, very, very much so that he, he got better so fast. You know, I remember when he would play, I think it was a band called The Last Two Sharks that he played in. Um, and, you know, it was just like he was you could tell that there was some talent there. And then just seeing what he's been able to do with how good he's gotten at guitar. Like some of those lead guitar lines on this album were really, really incredible. And it's just the, you know, the bass lines were really good. I didn't know sometimes what I wanted to try to pick out the most because everything was was so well done that I couldn't really decide. And then you get forced to take it in as a whole package, which is, I think, exactly as it's meant to do. And it's just good from top to bottom. Yeah, and I think Blue was the track for me where, like, the whole band really kind of coalesced and it became because mm-hmm. I come to it from the frame of being a friend and a fan of Jesse Taylor. Yeah. But that was the song where I'm like, Oh, this is Jesse Taylor band. This is all of them. And this did like really kind of, this is the one where you stand up and take notice of that whole thing. So I think, yeah, she's got a lot. She's surrounded herself with really talented musicians. They've all got a really yeah. good thing going for them. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, Jesse, we'd love to, Really, I'm looking forward to the full length album. Whenever you, whenever you decide to put that out, um, you know, I'm going to go and say you've got a spot on out on that line podcast for at least a review. Um, you know, we'd probably love to do something with you on the podcast as well. So, you know, keep putting out music like this and, and we'll keep talking about it. The thing is, she's also like one last thing. She's so goddamn prolific and like finds inspiration everywhere. Like this is the inside privilege of being her friend. Yeah. is you'll just be sitting there and she'll send you a sound file and be like, don't share this with anyone yet. Just listen to it. It's literally just her playing guitar into her phone. Yeah. But it's a fully baked song that she's like, yep, I came up with that. It's waiting in line for a chai tea latte. And you're like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, <laughs> unbelievable. I can sit there for fucking hours and be like, how do you rhyme cat with anything? What words rhyme with cat? <laughs> God damn it, I'm a hack. <laughs> and then she's just like here you go here's a whole song in an afternoon so i don't think she's gonna have any trouble filling up a couple albums in the future here so there's a lot to yeah. look forward to yeah here's to a long and fruitful career uh, that was that was very good to listen to um so we'll get into our main event fiona apple fetch the bolt cutters um now i racked my brain i thought about it as hard as i could literally the only fiona apple song i think i've ever heard is criminal mm-hmm. which was her big main hit i think that's her biggest hit ever i mean i feel probably pretty safe in saying that had I, as far as i'm aware i've never listened to anything else by her until this album and man oh man what an album it is i can absolutely see why pitchfork has named it their number one album ever or not ever of the year of 2020 um and it's just i don't know there's just something about it because it's not like an album that i normally would be into like i was saying with with jesse taylor band my preference is a good fast three minute rock and roll song you know get to the point get me the message that you're trying to send and get out that's not the case on this album it builds it grows you know you kind of there's so many peaks and valleys with it you feel everything as she's feeling it as well and it's just it was an experience as much as it was an album for me this is a really interesting case for us because 
The album came out, and I remember when it came out, people lost their minds immediately. And not being a big Fiona Apple guy, that was kind of lost on me. Yeah. And, and and not in a dismissive way, like, fucking Fiona Apple, what am I, fucking going to Lilith Fair in the 90s? Yeah. Like, it wasn't that kind of thing. It's just like, all right, well, you know, she was from the 90s. I don't really have much experience here, so getting into it late in the game wasn't really a priority for me, but a lot of people were enthusiastic about it. And then you and I were doing the year-end review and talking about albums that came out that we didn't get to, and that came up as, like, somewhat of an obvious omission mm-hmm. that we then privately decided, like, well, we should probably correct that. I mean, this had a lot of traction, and that's kind of what this has become. Like, to a certain point, we were doing just the things that interest us, and, like, yeah. I, I picked Leanne Lahavis, Le and it's like, who? For most people? So the Fiona Apple thing felt like, no pun intended, low-hanging fruit that we should probably pluck. Yeah. But because of that, and with no context for it, having heard nothing off of it, this album was an obligation for me. I wasn't really looking forward to it, and not, like, dreading it either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't fucking know. I don't have enough to, like, go on to know how this is going to go. It could suck, and it could be great. I don't, yeah. I don't really know. And lo and fucking behold... It just like the more I listen to it, the better it gets. Mm-hmm. It is completely fucking weird, experimental pop, like a little backstory on it. She tried to record songs from it in a professional studio setting, and the band just kept getting too distracted by like mushrooms and shit. Yeah. So it just wasn't working out. And she decided where she's the most creative is in her home studio and just pulled everything back. And the entire album is made with, like, there's minor piano, which is her hallmark, Mm -hmm. but even that's percussive. It's all just percussive instruments and not even just drums. Like, she literally uses her dead dog's bones against, like, a metal statue on one of the songs. Like, it's just a field recording that she made at home in GarageBand, which she doesn't know how to use. So she just did these, like, long, uninterrupted experimental takes and just shitting around... This is what she came up with. Yeah. It's fucking incredible, especially lyrically. Because, like, mm-hmm. in something like this, because it is all percussion-based, you're we're no point in this interview going to be like, oh, yeah, and the blistering guitar solo. Like, there's yeah. none of that. No. And it just doesn't have to be because her voice is an instrument that she can change. It's not about being a pretty singer. It's doing whatever the song calls for. It's using a coffee can as a drum if you need to. It reminds me, I would be remiss if I didn't start the new year off by mentioning Frank Zappa, of course. Mm -hmm. But the first television appearance he had as a musician was, I believe, if it wasn't Ed Sullivan, it was another show similar to it. He played a bicycle. He just took the spikes on the bicycle and was just like, bang, 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 bang. Because his whole thing was anything can be an instrument, anything can be music. And now here we are in 2020 with Fiona Apple proving the same thing and making an album that... As we talk about the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums, I defy you not to slot this one in there during your next evaluation. Oh, it's yeah. It's that fucking good. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know where where you want to put it on the top 500. I certainly wouldn't speculate you know, without looking at the list and kind of taking a critical view of that, but I think absolutely does belong on there, especially with how many albums are on there now that you know, we had discussed probably don't really deserve it, mm-hmm. um, but it is very Zappa. Like I, I wouldn't have made that connection because I, I, you know, I don't have the the deep admiration for him that you do. But I, I have listened to plenty of of the mothers, and it's just he's just weird. And it is like he'll do whatever it takes to get the sound that he wants 
doesn't have to be from a guitar. It doesn't have to be from a drum set. It could be just from punching a hole through a, through a wall. That's the sound that, that gets the gets the record to sound the way he wants it to. That was what was going to be important. And that makes a lot of sense in, in comparison to this Fiona Apple here because it's, you know, I don't know. I'll have to listen to her other albums and things like that. You know, I think she's pretty been pretty prolific since Criminal, since that album. Um, I think she's released like four or five since then. But it's, you know, I can't, I can't help but think that this album really is genius, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not even a, you know, I don't know if necessarily she is a genius, but she's got to be, to be able to come up with some of this stuff, you know, and, and be able to put into words some of these feelings. And, you know, it's just, for me, when I look at a line, I'm like, I could have never come up with that. That's when I know it's a good lyric, you know, when, when it seems like something that's so obvious and hits you over the head you know, like some of the stuff that we've reviewed, it just doesn't sit with me. You know, if I don't have to think about it at all, then it doesn't really work for me. You know, this, these are lyrics that you have to think about that when you read them, you're like, oh man, that makes sense. But it's not anything that I would have ever been able to come up with on my own. And that's where I I know that kind of an album will go from good to great for me. This one definitely reached the level of great. Yeah, and she's never doing I am the walrus. It's never so abstract. You don't get what she's yeah. saying because what she has to say is so important. And we'll get to songs where she literally just blatantly, like there was this movement a while ago, Shout Your Abortion. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's a song later down the list where she like literally shouts a rape. It wasn't hers, but it was someone else's. Yeah. Um, and like she's obviously not afraid to talk about these things. And the theme of the album is really twofold. There's a lot of rehabilitating female relationships because Mm -hmm. so many of them are driven and defined and controlled by men. Mm -hmm. And I think that being a theme of the album might be a barrier to certain guys listening to this in the first place and enjoying it thereafter. Yeah. But the a that's a certain personality type. It's someone who, when they get told has white privilege is like, "Uh, uh, tell me how, and they just can't wrap their minds around it. Yep. If you look at this instead of as anti-men and pro-women, which is exactly what it is, it's pro-women. It's not men are trash. There are there are overtures of certain kinds of men are trash. Nothing is axiomatic. She's smart yeah. enough to realize that like in certain ways everyone's a victim, in certain ways everyone's a perpetrator, men and women. But the core of the album is rehabilitating the relationship from woman to woman, mothers and daughters, sisters, friends, total Mm -hmm. strangers, exes and new girlfriends. Like she's the whole goal of this is to come together outside of the male gaze. And also in doing so, it's the dovetails with the second theme, which is break out of whatever prison you're in. If you hate your job, if you're in a toxic relationship, if you have poor self-image, whatever is holding you back, mm-hmm. whatever's driving you crazy, fetch the bolt cutters and release yourself. So as pure unbridled expression from her, it is genius. It is 100% yeah. genius. And like you said, you you can debate whether or not she's a genius and she just stumbled onto something, but like the work itself is genius i personally think you don't get there unless the person has a little gift from the universe this is that good it really is like to to gush a little bit up front it really is that good and the first time through my thought was like 
Well, it'll be hard to recommend because it's not really like, you know, I'm going to the party and I'm going to fucking have a time. Like, it's not yeah. really like music you throw on to get yourself pumped up. It exists in a completely different space. Yeah. And I think that's what's so cool about it is it's it's really kind of an art piece more than it is necessarily just like a musical album. Yeah. And I, and I, I absolutely 100% agree with that. Um, I was just going to say it is it felt like. You know, when I've gone to the, you know, Houston Museum of Art, you know, and seen some really incredible pieces, you know, we went and it was the Oscar de la Renta exhibit. Mm -hmm. So it had all of the dresses that he, you know, he's made for royalty, you know, so it's just it's one of those things where you get in front of something with so much substance and so much value and and not value monetarily, but value culturally and, and, you know, socially. And you see those things and you just kind of have to stand there and take them in and you feel kind of small when you when you look at them because you're like how the the kind of towering genius that it took to come up with this stuff like is something that you just know that you're not capable of doing you know at least not in that you know I feel like everybody's probably capable in some way or another to do something that's genius but when you're in the presence of it you just kind of have to take a step back and, and realize that you know by trying to put your own views on it and your own kind of filter on it, you're going to ruin what's there. And just taking this album in as it is, you and I would highly recommend people do this with headphones or at least in a quieter environment where there aren't so many, you know, any other distractions um, audio wise. And it's just take it in that way. And I, I really think you're going to feel the same way that we do. You know, I don't think this is something that I'm like, Oh, this is only a certain number of people are going to be able to get into and understand, you know, it's certainly nothing like that, you know, and, and I don't mean to sound like some sort of a gatekeeper when I talk about that. Um, it's just that, you know, I think everybody will find some value in this and maybe musically, this is really not your thing. Maybe you listen to it and you're like, musically, that's not what I like, but I really, I challenge you to listen to this and think that it's, you know, that it took anything less than a kind of genius level of thinking to come up with some of this stuff. Whether you like it or not, you know, understand that what went into making this and what she said in this and how she said it, you know, is something that I think only she could do. It's like, you know, I don't know if this is just her catching lightning in a bottle. I'll have to listen to the rest of her discography to, to kind of find out, but like we were saying, I feel like there, this can have come from nowhere. You know, this this really was an incredible experience. Yeah, and then to like, I guess, get into the review proper, pursuant to what you said, ooh, look how lawyery I sound, pursuant to. <laughs> um, we're not that formal here. But to dovetail off of what you were saying about maybe it's not the kind of music that someone would dig, that's kind of the first time through was my approach, especially with I Want You to Love Me, the first track. Mm -hmm. And, like, I understand what she's doing with it. It's kind of this rumination on the nature of love and death and life and existence. It's this very, like, big cosmic... It's kind of the way Sturgill would open an album, just these, yeah. like, asking these bigger cosmic thesis questions in response to the dissolution of a relationship, which triggers that whole existential nightmare. Mm -hmm. So I, I get all of that, and I can't even, like, say it's an objectively bad song. I just know at least the first two times through. Uh, the first time through, when I heard this song, I went, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> no. 
because it just didn't it wasn't it was a little too spicy for me on the first time through and then at the end yeah. when she's doing all the yoko ono dolphin noises i was like mm-hmm. oh fuck me <laughs> oh no it's another double fantasy situation but it, it's really the only time where she gets that like primally wacky with like the, yeah. the strange noise like there's dog barks all over it there's weird oh, yeah. like pen drops and people sneezing and farting and shit in it but like none of it done to goofy effect just things that were captured along the way that she was like nope it's part of a field recording it goes in yeah so like not realizing what i was in for and listening to this first song the first time i was like fuck but then you go through and you listen to it again with the context of the whole album and it it slots in way better so Mm -hmm. still probably unremarkable to me in the grand scheme of all these other things we're going to talk about but an interesting gateway into the experience. Yeah. And I, you know, I will, I'll say that it, it immediately grabbed me. So it was, it was immediately captivating to me lyrically, not so much. Cause I was like, yeah, it was okay. You know, right. but then yeah. the way that there was a chorus, but it's not really a chorus. It's just, she kind of flowed into it from the verses. Like, and there's no, you didn't really realize it until you're in it. You know, I thought that was immediately, I was like, okay, well, this is going to be different. So I kind of just changed my mindset going into the rest of the songs. And this was the one that kind of got me to to reset. It was almost like the the jig that you use, you know, if you're familiar with woodworking or any sort of kind of fabrication, like you build yourself a jig so that making all the pieces for what you're building gets made a lot easier. And that's what I felt like she kind of put in place for me with this first track here um, was that it just got me primed for how I was going to listen to the rest of the album. Um, and the second song, Shamika, was one that you had decided was was going to be your pick for one of the ones that we decided to talk about. So tell me a little bit about why that is on this one. So and we talked a little before the recording. There's an interesting story behind this one, which is funny. In essence, when she was in middle school, she was like starting to first experience what it's like to be ostracized by girls as they kind of fall into that stereotypical click behavior Mm -hmm. that in many ways is like socially reinforced with women. And like, I have a lot of family members and friends who are raising girls, hashtag girl dad who have, (laughs) that's an inside joke, but um, like friends and family who are, are raising young women. And I think there's a temptation for especially the old guard to laugh when you give them a gender neutral doll or like try to get them to play with trucks or give them compliments. Like you're so smart instead of you're so pretty. And like to certain people, again, these types, they're like, well, all lives matter to that crowd. They'll never get like, why that's, why can't you tell a little girl she's pretty? And it's, this song is kind of the testament to that because the more that you reinforce, like, your worth is your attractiveness, your normalcy, mm-hmm. you're so pretty, you're so polite, you don't talk back, all these things. It, it creates that sense of, of that, I don't want to say a negative sense of self, because I don't even think they know that's what it is when they're like 9 or 10. Yeah. But it's laying the groundwork for a certain level of dysfunction. Is every woman doomed from inception to the point of death to suffer I guess that's not for two men to answer, right? Yeah. But it's just a really interesting way to look at a song because she's talking about the relationships between these middle school girls where, ew, Fiona's different, Fiona's weird, you can be Fiona's friend, or you can be part of the clique. 
And then there's this girl who I think Fiona Apple insinuates was a fucking bully. But yeah. there was this girl, Shamika, who also didn't belong to any cliques, who went up to Fiona Apple and was like, why the fuck do you care what these other snot noses think? Like, yeah. you have potential. Which is such an interesting thing for a child to say. To right? the point where Fiona Apple was like, I think I made this and Shamika up. But then the song came out and one of her old teachers was like, so funny you mentioned Shamika. I can picture her as clear as day. And it's like, yeah, holy fuck. So it's just this really interesting. We talk about all the relationships between women and women and women and men, etc. This was a really interesting place to start at the beginning, which is the, these first social relationships that we form. And it's just got that interesting hook where it's like all these negative things. But Shanika, uh, Shamika said I had potential. Yeah. And it's just <clears throat> it kind of reminds you of, you know, everybody's got these little moments where, you know, it, it, the person that you enjoyed those moments with to them, it was probably nothing. But to you was like everything, you know, so it's like, you know, if you see one of your favorite artists or something and, and you see them in concert like they're to, to them, you were just another ticket that got sold, you know, but to you, that might've been the greatest experience you've ever had, you know, and, but it could be even as small as, you know, you help somebody, they were having a terrible day and they dropped their pencil and you just happened to pick it up for them and keep moving on with your day. So to you, that was absolutely nothing. But to them, that was the only nice thing someone did for them that day, you know, the only thing that went right. So like, it's, it's totally about perspective on what something is going to mean to you. So to Shamika, that probably meant nothing. She was probably, it was probably more about calling the other girls nothing. Right. You know, than it was about pumping Fiona up. But the way that Fiona took it was, well, somebody defended me. Like that meant a lot, you know, where these other girls were making me feel like crap. There was somebody, whether she knew it or not, that gave me a little bit of confidence that day, you know, and it's just those, that little difference in perspective that, you know, when I was saying before about how she's able to put things into words, like to me, if I was to try to write that, I would write exactly that. I would say, you know, although it's those little moments that mean nothing to you or nothing to them and everything to you. Like I would do, I would say something like that in the lyrics. She took an experience she had in middle school with this girl named Shamika and totally framed that simple concept, but put it in another light. You know, so you look at it through another lens, got a different filter on it. And it's just such a genius way of doing it that I never would have thought of. So, you know, the first song got me into the album Then I heard Shamika and I was like, damn, she really is that good at this. Like that wasn't just a, a flash in the pan. That first song, it's like, this is what it's going to be for this album is I'm going to hear things and have things put into words, into perspectives that I never would have thought of before. Um, and it just was a really, again, incredible experience all the way through. Yeah, definitely. And then, like, it dovetails nicely into the next song, Fetch the Bolt mm -hmm. Cutters, the, the title track, which, like, builds on those themes of other people putting you in a box. So there's even something interesting with Shamika where it's like, Shamika said, I had potential. So at the same time, Shamika is seeing her and saying, I don't think you're like these other shitty girls but you're also not yet fully formed, but you could be something great. Yeah. Not really articulating what that is. And so the song Fetch the Bolt Cutters kind of then brings us into an adult Fiona Apple who's been in the industry for a little while. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a referendum on her career where people are saying, we talked about it with Miley Cyrus, do this, wear this, be this, say this, go on this show, don't talk about this, you know. 
putting you in a box artistically, commercially, and the mm-hmm. toll that that takes on you, and this idea of whatever your version of that experience is. If you're not a multi-platinum recording artist, you're a, you're a school nurse, mm-hmm. and you get no respect from those kids. How are you going to bust out? How, what, what are you going to fetch the bowl cutters and free yourself from? So it's very much like this declarative anthem. And and to me, it, it it spurred this thought. I'm like, why the fuck don't more of us self-produce? Because mm-hmm. it seems like every story about the industry, I haven't heard one person wax poetic about what a wonderful place Hollywood is or like how yeah. great it is to be involved in the music industry. Everything At least not anymore. About, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess since Phil Spector committed the original sin, like... You know what I mean? Like the, the 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 bloom is off the rose. No no one talks glowingly about this industry because it is an industry. It's a business. It's about making money. Yeah. So as soon as Fiona stops doing what we need her to do, she's just relegated to the dustbin of '90s pop ephemera. Yeah. And this song is her saying, "Not so fucking fast." Yeah, just a really really good, just a, a, such a good way of saying it. Again, like I would have said, like break out of that situation, you know, break away from what's what's giving you pain or something like that. And she said, fetch the fucking bolt cutters. Yeah. Like, just such a better way of saying it that she just, I, I feel like her ability as an artist is just constantly, you know, every time, every song that I've listened to, I was like, well, this is just better than anybody else would have done. She reached a level here that uh, very few people could have reached, I think. Um, and it's like you were saying, the industry seems like it just chews people up and spits them out. And when she came out with Criminal, which was her big first hit, you know, that was right around the same time that it was Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera and In Sync, you know, and all these like really polished, made in a lab pop stars. And then here comes Fiona Apple. And I remember that song, you know, when I was like 10 years old, 11 years old or whenever it came out, like came out quite a while ago and just being like, what? is this it did not sound anything like it sounded like dirty to me it sounded like yeah like raw and like something i shouldn't be listening to and it was just so interesting and then to just see kind of you know not really having paid attention between then and now in her career going from that song and being like okay well the industry clearly just left her behind she didn't stop being as good as she was it was the industry that just decided they couldn't her to what they wanted her to be and she's just been doing her own thing and clearly for the you know to great results here yeah and i love the way you put it too where like there's something illicit about that song criminal i mean just the i guess it's implied in the title but those opening i've been a bad bad girl yeah i've been careless with a desperate man you're just like and meanwhile on the other end of the spectrum whoops i did it again like you know what i mean yeah it's it's night and day but you know, show your tits. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the that's the ethos she was playing in. Yeah, like, there was well, the how are we supposed to market those? those pop stars being overt and and coy about sexuality, and she was being honest about it. And I think that's what it. You know, you're always with that sort of environment in that realm. You know, you're constantly told like, you know, be modest. You know, you don't want to put that out there. And it's like, well just depends on who you are. Like some people are very comfortable talking about it. Some people aren't either way is okay. But to try and tell someone else how they should be talking about those things, that's the problem. You know, and I think that's what they tried to kind of force on her 
was, you know, you're going to try, we're going to put you in this mold. And she said, no. And they said, okay, well, we're not going to push any more of your records. Yeah. And then, and then it becomes the question of, well, which is it? Do you want me to be completely modest or do you want me to leave it all bare? You can't like this idea of like, shut your mouth, but show your tits is such yeah. a like fucking insulting way to go about it, especially in a world where you can have Fiona Apple wearing three fucking fisherman sweaters if she wants, doing her thing, which has like nothing to do with her body. And you can have mm. Megan the Stallion with both butt cheeks hanging out at the VMAs, having a grand old time celebrating her sexuality. Yeah. That's what's so beautiful about a big, diverse industry with room for everyone. It's a fucking buffet. You show up, you pick what you like, you experience a little bit of everything. You develop taste instead of mm-hmm. having people tell you what your taste should be. Because one time a long time ago, I want to hold your hand hit big. And they're like, well, we've got the formula for the next 60 <laughs> years, gentlemen. Congratulations. We can retire yeah. early. Yeah. And like you said, there's value in that. Like, I still like listening to the Beatles. You know, John Lennon can go fuck sure. himself beyond the Oh, grade. yeah. But, um, you know, and I still like listening to Megan Thee Stallion. And I still like listening to Coheed and Cambria. You know, I feel like the range of music that I listen to, it's just depends on the day. It's like, what am I feeling today? If I'm mad, I'll put on some System of a Down. If I'm, if you know, if I'm just cleaning the house, I'll put on some dance pop. You know, it's just like it depends on, on the day. And there's room for everybody, but I don't think, I don't think there should be room for kind of dishonest music like she was getting compared to at the start of her career. Mm-hmm. And I think there needed to be more room for what she wanted to do. Cause imagine, you know, if she was able to imagine if social media existed as it does now, and there was an artist like Fiona Apple right at the outset there, you know, and it's just imagine what her career could have been like, you know, cause think of, you know, Phoebe Bridgers, you know, how popular she is, that's due to a lot to social media. You know, mm-hmm. there hasn't been a big industry behind her because she's stuck with indie labels, which she rightly did. Um, and it's it's just, it's nice to see finally that Fiona Apple, an artist like hers, getting the kudos. And, you know, it's on me for not having paid attention to her before this, but I'm certainly going to now. And it's just why, why there ever had to be a you get one or the other kind of situation Mm -hmm. with music it just never made sense to me and and after an album like this it's never going to make sense to me again well and to keep us rolling it it rolls over nicely into the next song under the Mm -hmm. table which on its face is about this dinner party that she went to with a bunch of bougie motherfuckers who as she puts it were bragging about things she would never brag about yeah so like my mind runs wild with possibilities as to what that could be but someone said something very off-putting and very off-color, and she spoke up, and apparently it was an event where you're not really supposed to speak up, yeah. and she ended up ruining the event, and it's like, well, ruin being a relative term, because you need to hear hard truths. To harken back to the Jesse Taylor thing, I'm the type of person that if I released an album and it's objectively bad, I want that feedback. Like, I yeah. put it out into the world knowing that it's a riverboat gamble, so... I see it as a kindness to go do better next time. Other people, I'm not saying this is Jesse. I'm just saying other people may look at it like I didn't put this out there so you could shit all over it. It is what it is. Take it or leave it. It depends on the person. But it sure does seem like Fiona Apple is not the type of person to suffer fools easily, especially at this point in her career. So the song Under the Table, it's this idea of like you can keep kicking me under the table, but I'm not going to shut up. And speaking truth to power. So 
someone at the label goes, you know, Fiona, we're thinking a radical reinvention for you. Dye your hair blonde and wear the low rise. We're going to reinvent you as like MILF Fiona Apple for 2020. It's going to be great. For her to go, no, go fuck yourself. I'm going to use my dog's bones to make a fucking percussive instrument from the comfort of my own home wearing sweatpants I haven't washed in three weeks. Go fuck yourself. I admire that intrepid spirit in music making, and I think that's what's encapsulated in Under the Table. I'm not going to shut up. I'm not just going to sit here and be polite. I'm not going to communicate through the lens of your comfort. If someone says something shitty, you call them out. People have to be challenged, and that's what she's trying to do with this album, trying to do with this music, because, again, shitty men listening to this album will take it as an attack when... Really, it's like, don't fucking flatter yourself. This isn't about you. This is about the women you deal with, the women you see and the women you don't see. And further songs dive into that. But that's what she's so good at is taking righteous anger and indignation and turning it into something instructive and expressive instead of just being like, men are trash and tweeting that and letting that be what's. It's so much more nuanced. and She does it in such an entertaining way. And she forces she you know she doesn't ask questions on the album you know she doesn't have actual you know full on questions like formed in the album but the way that she writes it forces you to ask them like with this under the table song it's the kind of thing where it's like how long would you have sat there and listened to the bullshit you know and for me personally and some people might think this is a character flaw you know I don't if if I don't like something and I don't like somebody they're gonna know it and. You know, I'm not going to go out of my way to cause problems or be antagonistic with people. But if someone says something stupid in front of me, I'm going to say that was a really stupid thing to say, you know, and that. And so for me, it's like, yeah, absolutely. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me why a certain event is okay to do something like that. Yeah, I guess maybe not at a funeral. Don't start an argument. But, you know, it's like, that's about it. Any other place? I'm like, well, if I if you can't be called out for saying something heinous here, like where where's the line? Like, where is it okay? You know, and and I absolutely agree with, you know, the world would be a lot better because people would be held accountable for what they say if they got called out in real time. And if a song like this comes off, comes across to you as an attack, then you should take it as one. And you should probably evaluate why you feel that way. Um, And if you're the kind of person that would be mad that somebody spoke up at a dinner party, what are you saying or allowing to be said at that dinner party that that person felt they needed to speak up? You know, and I think is that that's the perspective people need to take about something like this. And, you know, the way she wrote it is incredible. Like I would have said, I'm never going to shut up. Like people don't tell me what to do. She said, kick me under the table. If you want, I won't shut up. I won't shut up. Like just such a better way of saying it and expressing it that it just draws you in, makes you think a little harder than you normally would have. And it's just, again, adds to what is already by this point on the album was already an incredible experience for me. Mm -hmm. And then just like, if you don't have anything more to say, I'm sorry that I I keep like pushing us forward, but there's kind of a lot of songs on the album. And I want to talk about all of them in some way too. So yeah. Um, The next one being relay. Oh yeah. Which again, segues into this, idea of if you look around the room and you can't find the asshole it's probably you yep which was kind of the tenor of brett kavanaugh during his confirmation hearings which is what kind of pushed fiona apple over the edge with this song because here you have 
this incredibly privileged, loudmouth fucking asshole with credible rape and sexual assault allegations against him mm-hmm. who still ended up becoming a fucking Supreme Court justice. So perhaps the most privileged white man ever encountered. Yes. Fucking A. But has the gall to paint himself as the victim. And, and, oh, boys will be boys. And can't we, if we litigate everything that everyone did when they were young, there'd be no society. And it's like, you know what? That might be true of a tone-deaf tweet from a 17-year-old who's like, and they say something off-color about whoever. Then you go, well, that wasn't cool. Did they deserve to lose their entire way of life? Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's a, there's a, a, a spectrum here and way at the fucking end of it do you deserve to be confirmed as a supreme court justice a lifetime appointment yeah when you have credible sexual assault allegations against you that you laugh off you scream you carry on you act like a guilty motherfucker in your hearing mm-hmm. so what are people supposed to think and his defenders were never going to you know unscrew their courage from the sticking place yeah. we we stick by the rapist pig no matter what and dr blazy ford is a fucking liar and she wrote the book on beating a polygraph test and all these other insane things that they say about her yeah and we'll never know what happened in that room but why are we assuming he's the one that's correct you know what i'm saying yeah and this song kind of deals with the consequences of that behavior and it's got my favorite line of the album oh, yeah, evil is a relay sport when the one, uh, let me make sure I get it completely correct. Evil is a relay sport when the ones who's when the one who's burned turns to pass the torch. It's this idea, and I was actually talking to someone about this the other day, where someone perpetrates enough shit and evil and malfeasance against you that you in turn become damaged. So that when someone else comes along, you don't know how to accept their love or deal with their personality quirks. And you may pay that forward to them. Pass yep. the baton over to this person. Now they become damaged. And maybe they go out and they treat someone like shit. And on and on and on we go into a very cynical and unkind and unfeeling world mm-hmm. where if you reverse that, and it's like you said, someone drops their wallet on the train. Don't fucking take it and take the cash and you know be a scumbag. Pick it up. Hand it to them. Get off. Miss your train to get off at the stop to give it to that person and pay that forward, and hopefully they take your kindness, and they will pass that on to someone else. That sword cuts both ways, with with good yeah. deeds and bad, and that's what this song is essentially about. Yeah, this was a really excellent one, and I think that line that you said, where it's when you think of it like that, it puts it in. At least for me, it's kind of that I could put anything into like a sports analogy, into a sports cliche. Like you know, if I'm trying to explain something to somebody, it's like, okay, well, how can I make this like baseball? You know, and it's, you know, that's kind of my mindset. So to me, that's perfect that she did that because visually you imagine a person like passing it along. And when you imagine that that baton is evil, you're like, oh, now I see how that perpetuates itself in the world. Is that, you know, the same way that kindness can perpetuate, like you do something nice for somebody, they might pay that forward they're just as likely to pay or probably more likely to pay something bad forward. You know, and it's like, there's so many days where I'll see enough things that piss me off that all of a sudden I'm like, there's a rage that I want to let out into the world that like, you know, just hope the person that catches it is not somebody that I'm close to, you know, that, that I really hurt their feelings, you know? Um, 
And it's just like some days that happens and it's like it can be that quick where to me it's like, okay, I've got that aggression out now, but maybe that permanently damages them. Maybe that was bad enough that they do that to two people now. And it's just like thinking of it in a way, you know, that, you know, what you put out in the world is going to multiply, you know, kind of the butterfly effect, if you will. Um, You know, that's a really clever way of looking at it. And, you know, she has another line in this one, but I know if I hate you for hating me, I will have entered the endless race. You know, again, referencing the relay, you know, passing the baton. Um, And it's just another clever way of doing it where it's like, if you enter into that world, it's really hard cycle to get yourself out of Um, just a really, really excellent song. And then to just put a button on it, this idea of trying to avoid entering the cycle. How do you avoid that, especially with something like Kavanaugh, the righteous rage? And I will say, if at any point, and this this is my own neuroses, I should just be able to say things and people should take them as they will. But I do just have to say, you know, if at any point it sounds like, well, these guys are white knighting and they're just like talking about like easy to curry favor with women by talking about how hard they've got it and how shitty men are, could not be farther from the fucking truth. I'm a no. fucking chud anyway. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, nothing I say or do will ever like boost my reputation. Like, there's no, like, how do you enhance something that's lower than whale shit anyway <laughs> so none of this is about currying favor or being seen as woke or trying to score easy points it is legitimately how i feel which is i don't understand how women feel because fucking imagine standing up there as dr blazy ford and giving your testimony and people love to like debate her credibility and i'm like it doesn't fucking matter. Just imagine being yeah. her. So let's look at those. Let's walk those two things out, right? I think that's important. Either she was sexually assaulted and now has to talk about this all again while people accuse her of being a liar. Or if there is some insane conspiracy that she's been asked to be a part of, yeah, everyone's going to call her a fucking liar. Like, she doesn't win no matter what. She has to get up there and be fucking pilloried by a bunch of white old crusty motherfuckers Mm -hmm. in this geritocracy that we've created in this country they don't care about her they don't care about anyone like her so just imagine being a woman trying to be heard imagine being a woman watching this trial watching brett kavanaugh sail through confirmation and everyone talk about what a decent family man his and every woman that's ever clerked for him says he's an angel and all this shit like imagine the impotent rage you must feel watching something like that happen and this song even though it's just got this like evil is a relay sport when the one who's burned past the torch like it's yeah. got this like very like boop bop 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 kind of bop to it it's very fun and very upbeat but it's just got this shaking wrath behind it that like just talking about it i feel it and i'm like oh god yeah. damn like yeah righteous fucking rage it's 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 a really powerful fucking song maybe my favorite one on the album maybe yeah yeah it was up there for me and and i think it's just you know it's just you know to put you know before we quickly move on to the next one you know just it's really you know the circular system that men in power kind of get themselves involved in and that's well if we give Kavanaugh a pass for this I'm also giving myself a pass for my past transgressions that I now can say 
well, if we really want to talk about it, what I did wasn't as bad as Brett Kavanaugh, you know, when he got through. So why are you, why are you kind of, why are you going to crucify me? You know, and it's just, that's the kind of logic that they get themselves involved in. And it's just, it perpetuates terrible things that continue to happen because people continue to get out of trouble. Um, And just last thing, I think Kurt Vonnegut had the line, you know, everybody loves the story of a guy that gets in trouble and gets out of it again. Like that's the, that's like, it's something I'm probably totally messed up the quote, you know, definitely, you know, hopefully just paraphrasing here, but you know, that's what she's saying is like, people love seeing someone get in trouble and they love seeing them get out of it. You know, and it's just like they, he turned himself into a a redemption story instead of just another white guy in power that used his station to do awful things to women and now has is going to face no consequences for it. The only consequence he faced was probably some memes that got created when he was crying about how much he loved beer. Yeah, right. God, yeah. this fucking guy. Yeah. Um, the next song, Rack of His, um, I think was one we we're going to kind of just quickly touch on. Um, it sounds to me like it's kind of like unrequited love, but not necessarily the person wants to like hurt their feelings. Just they have other things that they're more interested in. Um, like it sounded like when she was at his apartment or his house, you know, he was a musician. So he's more interested in his rack of guitars. Um, and it's just, you know, it's not necessarily that he was doing something awful to her. He just had other things on his mind, you know, and she was totally smitten and he was just like, well, I'm going to go play these guitars. I'm going to go do this thing now. So it was like probably the least emotionally heavy song, just kind of a good look at the, the balance and the perspective that two people might have in a relationship. Yeah, I've experienced that same frustration. People who are career-driven, and you're like, I really like you. And she's like, I want to go work on my script. And I'm like, fuck. Yeah. But I, I, the one thing I do love about this song is, like, it's, again, her cleverness. Because you're flipping that, like, oh, nice rack. Check out his rack. Yeah. So flipping that male gaze. Yeah, I've read Laura Mulvey. Flipping that <laughs> male gaze back on him and being like, check out his rack. So I just, I'll end this this song with the lyrics. Check out that rack of his. Look at that row of guitar necks lined up like eager fillies, outstretched like legs of rockets. They don't know what they're in for, and they don't care, but I do. I thought you would wail on me like you wail on them, but it was just a coochie coo coo. Coo as in C O U P. Like, fucking A. Yep. She is slickered and fucking spit on a gold tooth, boy. Slicker than cheese on a hot July day. I tell you what. Um, yeah, really, really fun song to listen to, but lyrically not too heavy, emotionally not too heavy, just a, again, really cleverly written. Um, the next song, Newspaper, again, we're going to try to kind of move through this one a little quickly as well. Um, she had a great line in an interview she did in reference to this song, which is, the tree has to fall even if no one's around. And it's a kind of play on that, you know, if a tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? Um, and she is saying basically... Yeah, the tree has to fall even if no one's around. I exist even if you don't see me. Um, you know, and it's a very, again, clever way to put that because it's not something I would have ever come up with. You know, it's certainly like I like I mentioned was, you know, I like my three-minute rock songs. When I've written songs in the past, like they're very direct, like you've seen them. You know, there's not a lot of, you know, I definitely get emotional when I write, but they're not that clever. You know, it's just I write what I feel. And she's able to write what she feels, but in a way that, you know, it's kind of, it's like poetry, you know, it's more than just song lyrics. It's more than just a song. It's, it's an experience. It's kind of, it is an art piece. Like you mentioned at the, at the beginning. 
Um, yeah, and it, it, it it's interesting too, like thematically, and then this will bring us into this next song, which I had as as one that I really wanted to talk about mm-hmm. um, because they share sort of themes across the two songs. But this is a song you talk about, you know, no matter who's there to hear it, the tree's got to fall. And that's also relevant to telling your side of the story. So even if no one's listening or you feel like no one's listening, you have to get that out there. And it's specific to the context of a relationship. So this is her singing to the new girlfriend of one of her exes being like, what is he telling you about me? It's not going to be the straight truth. It's designed to turn you against me. I'm some crazy bitch that he dated and he had no fucking fault in the dissolution of our relationship. So again, it is men controlling female relationships, trying to turn them against each other, which carries over into the song ladies, Mm -hmm. which the whole thesis of that is why are we letting men divide and conquer i'm speaking from the perspective of a woman why are we letting men divide and conquer because that's the system of power that allows them to perpetuate this shit and stay on top and and we have to make accommodations for their shitty behavior so she tells the anecdote of how her grandmother or her grandfather ran out on the grandma had Mm -hmm. a mistress and ended up marrying that woman and starting a family with her and the grandma hated the woman and yeah. Fiona Apple was like, I had to tell my grandma, you are mad at the wrong person. This woman didn't cheat on you. Secret family didn't fuck you over. It was stupid douchebag grandpa who yep. you're giving a pass to. He's the only one you should both be mad at. And that's kind of the idea of ladies is it's this reminder of like, we need to take back. the. I keep saying we, I'm not a woman. Women need to <laughs> take back. Women need to take back the narrative, which is like. This, uh, these stereotypes of like, oh, women be shop. Women are crazy. They can't have real friendships. It's like, mm-hmm. that's through conditioning, which is like, okay, well, we have to hate this woman because she's the new woman in so-and-so's life and so-and-so's our friend. Like, you have to change the way you think about yourself. As RuPaul would say, how the hell are you going to love someone else if you can't love yourself? Yep. Let yourself off the hook. Trust yourself. Trust your intuition. And, and, don't take this out on the other people that are victims of the same thing that you're a victim of. Yeah, this was a really excellent song and she makes a reference to, you know, there's saying to the other woman, the next girlfriend of the, of the person that she had dated was there's a dress in the closet. Don't get rid of it. You'd look good in it. You know, and it's just like, we don't have to hate each other. Like these were just relationships that didn't work out. I've got nothing to do with you. What I had with him has nothing to do with what you have with him. So there's no reason to compare it. There's no reason to think that one is better than the other. You know, it's just there's no need for the negativity surrounding that. You know, and and you see it all the time where it's like, you know, a guy will be jealous of their girlfriend's exes. You know, they'll, they'll always compare themselves to their girlfriend's exes. And I've certainly been guilty of doing that sort of thing because you always want to think of yourself as the best person for them. You know, and so women do that with men all the time as well. And it's just a very toxic way, toxic thing that you do to yourself when you do that. You know, you you start comparing yourself to other people and you stop looking at why the positive things you have about yourself and, and you start looking at just the negative things that they had that, oh, well, I don't, I don't treat you like that. So everything's fine. 
you know, and you don't, instead of just focusing on the positive things that you have with each other, you start focusing on the negative things from past ones just to try to make yourself feel better. And there's really no good reason for it. It's just, like you said, conditioning. It's what we've been conditioned to do. And that's what I love. You brought up the dress. That's what I love about that motif in the song, which is Fiona Apple saying, there's a dress in the closet. It should be yours now. She mentions in the song, it was a hand-me-down from his ex-wife who left it with a note for me. So it's like, the dress is that guy. We are passing a dress and a man between each other as part of a journey, as part of an experience, as part of personal growth. We're not defined by him unless we allow ourselves to be. He is as much an object. So you talk about turning the gaze back around and, yeah. and, and flipping the narrative on its head. He's as much an object as the dress. I hope it fits well on you. I don't care that you're wearing the dress or dating the guy. My time is over. It's your time now. If you need any tips, I'm there for you mm-hmm. with no fucking agenda other than protecting you because... We're in the same boat. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't fucking care. He doesn't care about you or what you're going through. We can only look out for each other, and we need to do that more. So the dress is like the absolute perfect motif for pushing that forward. Yeah. Yeah. Just a really, really clever song, really clever way to do it. And again, more like poetry, more like art than it is like music. It's just a very, 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 very good, good song. Um, The next one called Heavy Balloon um, is in reference to, you know, she had an ex that the way he talked about, I guess his father was that he would walk around the house. Like he was carrying something because he was, he was depressed and she thought it was an interesting perspective. So naturally she made that even better um, in talking about, (laughs) you know, in talking about a heavy balloon and how you just kind of have to, it's a game to keep it up in the air. You know, you don't want to ever drop it, but because you know, that balloon is there, that's, you know, the balloon being your depression, your anxieties, things that are weighing you down. Um, because you know, it's there, you have to keep it up, you know, but it's always a distraction. You can't fully focus on anything else because that is always there. It's the elephant in the room. That's in every room that you're ever in, you know, and it's just, it's just, again, another clever way of putting it as, you know, a playful way of putting it, but a very serious subject that people that have depression and anxiety, that's a weight that they have on their shoulders all the time, no matter what, no matter where they go. And it's always got the danger of just getting heavier all of a sudden. You know, and all of a sudden being almost impossible to bear. Well, and you know, you follow the elephant motif too. What happens to an elephant when you feed it? It grows. Mm -hmm. And if you're in a room with that elephant, the more it grows, the less space there is for you. You retreat into the corner until this room that is ostensibly all the things that make up you is dominated by this one negative force, which again, to hop back over to the balloon motif is more like a fucking 20 pound medicine ball that if you forget about it is going to come right down on your C4 vertebrae and fuck you up. Like if you simultaneously don't address it at all or focus on it too much, either way it is going to come back and fuck you up. A show that does a really good job of depicting depression and anxiety and mental illness is big mouth. They like visualize it very well with these like anthropomorphic mosquitoes for anxiety and this like big cat for depression Mm -hmm. that just wants to weigh you down and keep you in bed all day. So like it is important to convey to people who may not take it seriously. And I know a couple of those who (laughs) who don't see mental illness again to reference a show Cobra Kai. One of the characters talks about having a mentally ill mom and is like she was sick just in a different way. Yeah. Which was a remarkably enlightened way for a boomer character to look at something like that. 
Um, not to paint with a broad brush, but they tend yeah. to be the ones. They're like, you're fine. Go to work, hippie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't care that to, you're just sad. Just go to the gym. Just get some sun. Just yeah. don't be sad. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We need you to work. So it, it's, yeah. I don't have too much more to say about this. There's there's great lyrics that, again, if you suffer from depression and anxiety, hit the nail on the head. It's It's just what a Sisyphean task it is to deal with this day in and day out. Medication and therapy or no. It's it's a, it's a lifelong appointment, basically. Yeah. You got to deal with it forever. Yep. And a lot of times, that depression and anxiety is that evil that was relayed to you. Tra- you know, very that true. She re- that she referenced earlier. You know, it's just uh, yeah. Man, this album, what a <laughs> what a goddamn journey! What a goddamn journey! Really gets the synapses firing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it certainly does. Um, the next song, Cosmonauts. Um, this was one that I selected as. One, I, this one I think probably my favorite just kind of the the subject matter that she takes a look at and and really the worldview that I think she has which is very much like she's going to create her space to be her way she expects you to create yours to be your way maybe those two spaces can coexist but she's not sure that she ever wants to coexist directly just with one person you know not necessarily that she wants to be with multiple people she's like I need to She's more focused on her relationship with herself and and more interested in that than she is in a monogamous or even polyamorous relationship with other people. Um, it's a really kind of interesting look at monogamy, but not saying that that's right for anybody but her either. You know, she's saying that's right for some people. Monogamy is great for some people. Probably polyamory is great for some people. I'm right now more interested in none of those things and more interested in focusing on me and, you know, if someone comes into my orbit that I like, I'll give them some time, but the focus is me. And some people might look at that as selfish. I don't. You know, I think everybody is entitled to their own space, to their own things. Um, and I think if you happen to find somebody that aligns with your values and you really enjoy spending time around, then that's great. But you don't have to force it. You're certainly not required to. And I think that's a great perspective that she puts into this song. Yeah, I think that's what I like about it, too, which is that she's not making not saying it's like axiomatic, which is like monogamy doesn't work full mm-hmm. stop. Anyone that thinks it does is lying to themselves because there's plenty of examples of, you know, we what take my grandparents have almost been together for 70 fucking years. So yeah. don't tell me like monogamy can- and they love each other. It's not even like, well, it's cheaper than divorce. Like they love each other. <laughs> So, like, it does work for – it's everything you said. I don't want to, like, backtread over everything that you just said. You said it very articulately. And it's just this idea that the danger in entering into a relationship is that people change. And if they don't, it's very bad. Mm-hmm. You, people need to change. But you then run the risk of changing and growing apart, Maybe together, maybe in beneficial ways that make you stronger as a unit. I talked to a friend of the pod, Rory, about this. I was like, people who went into the pandemic in new or old relationships saw them tested, and some people won't come out the same as they went in. Mm-hmm. And I think certain bonds, maybe people that were like, well, I've only been in a relationship for a month, and we ended up quarantining together, and he got it and I nursed him back to health or she lost her grandmother, both her grandparents to it. And I was there for her and like, like these different bonding experiences, these, these variables that can affect these relationships. It is like, excuse me for being cheesy, but love (laughs) and monogamy are like the ultimate gamble. Yeah. You are, you are putting all your fucking cards on the table and hoping that you don't crap out 
and get your fucking hands broken with a hammer at the <laughs> casino. But in your heart. So that's why I like the song. It's it's simultaneously very affirming, but also like explaining her position and why she's a little more cautious about it. Yeah. And I think she does, you know, obviously she touches on, you know, the whole the woman power, feminism, you know, being a strong woman, but really it's individual power that I think is more the broad message that she's going for. And I you know, hopefully people don't think I'm all lives mattering this this thing right now because <laughs> because I think she does define it. When she's talking about, you know, feminism, it's very clear that that's what she's talking about. But in a song like this, you know, I think it is more about the individual empowerment. You know, man, woman, anything in between, you know, whatever it is, like it's it's just be comfortable with yourself, love yourself. And if you happen to find somebody else that is interested in the same things and you have the same track and the same path and you can be on that for a while, do it. But don't be afraid and force it if those paths split. You know, don't be so afraid of that that you just force it and ruin both of your lives. You know, just go with what makes you happy if that happens to be that you find the person you're spending the rest of your life with. That's great. If it's the person that you're only spending the next two weeks with, that's fine too. Just be honest with yourself and be okay with who you are. And I think that's a, it's a really good message that she puts through out this whole album. I think really kind of condensed it perfectly on this song, Cosmonauts. Yep, definitely. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, the next one for her, the first note I wrote on this one was just holy shit. Uh, because this one is maybe not my favorite song on the album, but probably the one that made me think the most about what she was trying to say. And this, you know, and like I said, this album was a journey all the way through, mm-hmm. you know, every part of it to me was, was captivating. Certain, I liked certain parts more than others, obviously, you know, that's the same with any album, but this song is just, again, another one about Brett Kavanaugh. I think you're at least inspired by that, by that movement and the whole idea of white men in power, basically, being immune to any sort of consequence um it's just i don't know it's one of those ones you you listen to and you're like man you see exactly what she's saying and it's really hard to listen to especially as a white man that's aware of you know the privilege that i've had and the place that i could occupy in the world if i felt like it just because i am was happened to win that genetic lottery and be born a white man um and it's just the way that she says it as as if it's such just an accepted fact hurts even more, you know, because there was such a long period in my life before I was really, I think, sentient, basically, you know, until I could really consciously think of these things and how something might emotionally affect another person, you know, that that was never an option for her. You know, that's not an option for women to just ignore that stuff or, or even if not ignore it, but just not be aware of it. You know, and it's just with this song here, it's it's like, I don't know, it's hard to listen to, but it's almost like necessary to listen to. It's really hard to listen to, especially when you look into the story behind it, because everything you said is like 100% true, which is this idea that like men don't, like, like we said up top, men don't know what it is to be women and, and to experience what they go through from an from the earliest age you're you know you're three what a pretty little dress you're such a pretty little girl carrying over into adulthood into the context of this song which is called for her because it's an anonymous retelling of something that happened to a friend of fiona apples Mm -hmm. she was working as an intern in production 
in the film industry and whoever she worked for, who apparently has gone unpunished by the Me Too movement or Time's Up or speaking out or any of these things. And I mean, I don't know if Fiona Apple was at liberty to say who this was because Mm -hmm. she's telling someone else's story. That's a complicated position to be in. Yeah. But um, it's it's the the story of someone who worked as a, a production intern and this guy came in and was like, I'll protect you. There are scumbags in this industry, but I'm the buffer between you and the scumbags. I'm here for your continued success. I care about you. In essence, grooming this girl yeah. to become compliant. And she knew everything that was happening was wrong. He was married. He had kids. He The things she was being asked to do were not something someone you love would ever ask you to do. That's reflected in the line. She's tired of being on her knees on the marble, the cold floor of truth, things like that. Like Mm -hmm. all these allusions to these indignities that she's forced to suffer under the idea of, well, this person loves you and they're they're doing this out of love. And they're asking you to prove your love by completing these demeaning tasks and acts for them to the point that it all builds to this line where Fiona Apple says, you raped me in the same bed your daughter was born in. Mm-hmm. She And she says, I struggled with putting that line in there because it clubs you over the head, but fuck it, you need to be clubbed over the head with something yeah. like that because this is what happened. The girl described to me what was happening to her in this relationship. She didn't want these things to happen. She didn't feel like she could say no. So it's like people that point to Thomas Jefferson and um, uh, I, I'm such an asshole. I don't remember her last name. Sally. Fuck. What was her last name? Thomas Jefferson's. Uh, oh, the... I, I'm not even going to. I'm not going to be any help at all on this one. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck me. What was her last name? <laughs> oh, I feel like a dick is like we should be talking about her and not him. But like Thomas Jefferson had this slave that he raped. And you could be mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, they he loved her. And like they had a relationship mm-hmm. that she entered and she willingly went to his bed. She was a fucking slave who there who cannot give consent by the definition. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of what this woman in this Fiona Apple song went through. Couldn't say no because your protector will no longer be there. And then the real wolves close in. And you don't yep. get to live your dreams. He's leveraging your entire fucking life. How depressing that must be. And you don't want to have sex with the motherfucker, but you have to. You yep. can't. You literally cannot say no. And yep. Fiona Apple just shouts it. You raped me in the same bed where your daughter was born. Fucking think about that for a minute. Yep. What a fucking scum-sucking weasel, whoever this is. You just want to punch him in the fucking head. And then it's that classic thing where it's like, oh, okay, Men getting upset about like, well, I could defeat him for you. And it's just, again, the things we're conditioned to do from a young age, like, you know, you have to defend women. Little ladies can't protect themselves and they don't really get to have an opinion on this. You got to make it right. Someone, you know, assaults your gal. You hunt him down in frontier justice. And it's like, what does she want? What the fuck is she going through? How can you be supportive? But I think in those instances, look to other women, which again, encapsulates Fiona Apple's Mm -hmm. whole fucking thesis of this, which is the relationships between women. So when something like this happens, women helping women, helping them figure this out, and in some small way, Fiona Apple has amplified a story that at the very least is affecting you and me sitting here going, let's never be that fucking shitty. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a very powerful song. I think hopefully 
since that's happened, maybe, you know, I don't know if legally the, the person, the guy has had any repercussions, but hopefully the universe has seen fit to extol some sort of justice on him in, in some shape or another, uh, because, so. you know, it's just in, and like you said, it, it's, it does feel like you get bludgeoned over the head with that line, but it's absolutely necessary. Um, and I think someone like Fiona Apple, you know that that's she's not doing it for shock value. I mean, it is for shock value, but it's not at the same time. You know, it's for the value of the fact that it's the truth. You know, and I think for the same things, you know, where, where she was talking about the dinner party that she spoke up at, that she shouldn't, that it wasn't that kind of dinner party. You know, and I put that in, in air quotes. You know, that's the kind of thing where it's like, when is the right time to call out? these sort of things, you know, and I think the right time is when it happens because then you're way more likely to prevent something like it from happening again. You know, if people get away with it for 30, 40 years or whatever, then before they face any sort of repercussions for it, like look at Brett Kavanaugh, you know, he did that. What was that? 35 years ago or something like that when he was in college, you know, and there were so many stories about him being your classic, you know, kind of wannabe alpha male, in college that drank a ton of beer all the time, did whatever he wanted with women was, you know, beat people up when he felt like doing it. It's like, what about all those stories? Did you take as truth? And then when you heard that he took advantage of a girl that was too drunk, like where, why did that line get drawn there? And it's because you don't want to believe the worst. And you're probably one of those people that would say, you can't do this at this dinner party. You know, we need this to go really well. So you can't speak up about that kind of stuff. It's like, why are you inviting people that you're worried that would say something that I'd have to speak up about? You know, that's where that's where it's like, where's the line for you? And that's, you know, Fiona Apple's asking constantly on this album, you know, where's the line for you? And why wasn't it back there? Yeah. You at know, the CMAs. Why, why are you telling people, let's all have a good time and not get political? Yeah. Like you can't you can't put those preconditions on people, you know. If you want to talk about this is a free country last time I checked, you could say whatever you want, then you can go to a $500 a plate dinner party and tell the host to fuck off if they say something shitty. I'm sorry. Like, you have to yep. have that right. And, like, yeah, there's social contract. If someone cuts you off in traffic, you don't Russell Crow them and, like, hunt them down and beat them into submission. <laughs> but when someone espouses a dangerous ideology, and we don't know what was said at the party, but yeah. it was enough that Fiona Apple, who seems like a sensible person who again doesn't suffer fools yeah was like i'm not gonna let this slide because people you count on things like that let people have let you slide your whole life and i'm not gonna be one of them yep and that's kind of what this song is about is like motherfucker when we dis you know shine this disinfecting light on the industry somehow you slip through the cracks well yep you know this is about you yep so maybe you face no you know justice in a court of law but i know what you did yeah i hope you feel guilty yeah 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 and then so there's two more songs in the album um the next one is drum set and this one's kind of cool just in that it's you know i think this is probably the closest as far as thematically that she's gotten to you know kind of ground that's already been tread upon a lot of times by other people um, which is talking about, you know, the drum set is gone and the rug it was on is still here screaming at me is how, how it opens up. So it's basically just referencing, you know, a relationship has ended, but, and they took most of the important parts. They took themselves, they took the drum set, but they left some extraneous stuff behind that just is there to remind you of how it went wrong. You know, so you remembered the drum set was fun to play, 
but now you just see the rug. So you remember those good times and the rug reminds you that those good times are over. You know, and it's just that kind of classic trope that a lot of songwriters get into. But again, she does it in a way that's very fresh. And while it's not thematically the same as a lot of the other songs in the album, it still fits in very well with the rest of it. Yeah, it slots in. It's a very easygoing song about those abandonment issues and there's kind of a playful tone to like I didn't do anything wrong I think she knows herself enough to know that like that's probably not necessarily true she talks very candidly about times she was an asshole Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of what she's saying in this song is like when you're both wrong and there's a heated argument and you storm out and just go to your corners but you you do feel that loss and there are reminders around because the story behind it is she got into a fight with her drummer Mm -hmm. and her drummer had a gig and took her kit to the gig just to do that wasn't like i'm leaving your life forever but fiona apple saw the drum set disappear and was like oh i don't think my drummer's ever coming back holy shit i'm a (laughs) jerk (laughs) so just like a fun especially after for her it's a nice interlude to get us ready to to move out of the album with everything we've learned yeah and the last song called on i go um now this one is a really kind of like stream of consciousness kind of song it repeats a lot of the same lines over and over and over um but it's a it's about her you know it's written at least written around the time or about her arrest in 2012 in texas for um she had some of the some of those left-handed cigarettes i think or maybe she had hash maybe that was specifically what she had but she took the rap for her whole band basically you know, and I don't think the amount that was there was certainly just for her personal use. I'm sure everybody <laughs> on that bus was doing it. Um, yeah. And she just was probably like, well, I'm the artist. I'm the one that's got financially probably the means to to deal with this and put it behind me. It's not going to affect my career, you know, because I'm not going to I'm not interviewing for jobs. So I think in her mind, it's the right thing to do. I'll take the heat and then got surprised by having to spend the night in jail. Like she figured it would be just a citation, which in a lot of States, I'm sure it would be, but this was Texas and they'll pretty much put you on the electric chair for looking at a cop wrong here. Um, and it's, yeah, just kind of a funny situation. Um, but I guess she just like chanted this at the camera in the cell, just, you know, in her defiant Fiona Apple kind of way. And she, this is one of those times, like you mentioned, she was like, ah, maybe I was being an asshole there. Yeah. Well, she says in interviews, she's like, we all hate to do it. There's a lot of pride wrapped up in it. But with cops, you just have to go, yes, sir, no, sir, and don't express any personality. Mm-hmm. So she, like, admits that a lot of this song came out of her anxiety but ended up becoming a powerful mantra both for her and for the, again, to, like, kind of bring the thesis of the album to, to the fore, which is this idea of don't do anything you don't want to do. Don't be put into a box. Don't be pressured into anything. The second you feel the walls closing in, fetch the bolt cutters. Get the fuck out of here. Don't allow yourself to be controlled. Mm-hmm. Your destiny is in your hands. You only move when you want. You only move to move. Only when you want to. No one else is in charge of you. Now, when you're sitting in a jail cell, that's something you like really have to remind yourself because, yeah. holy fuck, that's terrifying. Um, but I think it's it's pertinent to her message which is like women people are going to tell us who we are and what we are and what we're capable of and we need to realize that the truth is whatever we want it to be it is completely subjective we can be astronauts we can be housewives we can be everything in between just figure out what your value system is and move when you want to move yeah it was it was 
a great way to end the album. You know, mm-hmm. just kind of that the repetitiveness of it. You know, the the message of it was kind of you know it was very heavy album in some parts. You know, emotionally. You know, the music was was always kind of cool to listen to. Like the percussion that they did all the way through was just really interesting. Like that kind of kept it fresh the whole way through. But emotionally, was very heavy in some mm-hmm. spots. And and certainly, I think that's what she was going for. Is she wanted people to be reflective when they listened to this album. Um, and I think she does talk about specific instances, but I think she pretty specifically doesn't talk about a single person as much as she can avoid that. Um, just because I think that would take away the ability for other people to kind of connect with her art. Um, and I think she does a great job on this album where there's certain things that she says, Oh, this inspired this, but there's such broad themes when she does talk about someone that specific, that it doesn't matter that it's about a specific situation. The theme itself is something that you can certainly understand and, and connect with on your own. Um, it's just all the way through this album was just absolutely incredible. Um, one of my favorite ones I've listened to in probably, I mean, this is probably a top three one that we've done on the show for me. Yeah. Fuck. I'll co-sign that. I, I'll say it's gotta be one of my favorite things that came out in 2020, but mm. we're in a new year. So I'll call it one of my favorites of 2021 off to an early start. Yeah. Um, it is. It's tremendous. And this idea, especially of the last song, On I Go, like a mantra is supposed to be something that you repeat until it, it's something you can focus on, something that anchors mm-hmm. you so that you can reach a, a not a dissociative state necessarily, but to kind of shed your neuroses and your anxieties. And by focusing on a concept, you can kind of find that inner peace. And both that song and this entire album function in that capacity where it's like you sit with this, you absorb this. And it's it, as much as some of the songs, especially weirdly enough for her mm-hmm. fucking slap, like for her is a, a fiery song and not mm-hmm. even just like the anger of the theme. It's just like very upbeat and brisk and quirky. And so much of what was experimented with on the album is a triumph. Lyrically, it's fucking unimpeachable. It's just a really interesting album that demands a lot. And it doesn't demand a lot in terms of like, well, I need to sit and pour over what she meant by I am the walrus or any of that Mm -hmm. kind of horseshit. When people like John Lennon are like, oh, just made it up. Like (laughs) there's no mistaking what she's talking about, but you have to sit and you have to have the conversation with her Mm -hmm. and then you have to go have it with yourself and audit your belief system and your views and your experiences. And that is one of the most thing powerful things music can do. I don't mm-hmm. remember if it was Virgil or Horace or a completely different person, but they talk about the aim of art is to please and to educate. Mm-hmm. And we talk about from Megan the Stallion to Fiona Apple and everyone in between how there's a spectrum and different things fulfill different roles. I think this is an album that can please and can educate. You'll enjoy listening to it. And you'll learn a lot about yourself and other people and the world we live in by listening to it. So give it the time, sit with it, absorb it. Yeah. I say stream it. Oh, stream it 100%. Do it with headphones. So nice over Mm -hmm. the ears, some nice noise canceling and just, Mm. just sit there, give yourself, I think it runs for like 51 minutes or something like that. Give yourself those 51 minutes, listen to the album and just, just take it in. Just let it let it wrap itself around you. Just enjoy what she's brought to the table here because this is a really this is an, a statement album. I'm excited to go back and listen to her other stuff and find out, you know, if this is similar to what she's done. But I can imagine if she came up with this, that her other stuff is probably going to speak 
just as loudly, just as clearly as this one did. And I think with everybody being home for quarantine and, and the way that, you know, music is just accessible everywhere you look now, any way you want to get it, you don't even have to pay for it. You know, you can get it for free a zillion different places like that. The fact that it was just, I feel like a perfect storm for an album like this. It's just so, so incredible. Just so, so good. Yep. The hype is real. Stream it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just to wrap things up, because I think we're at about an hour and 30. Um, this one went a little longer, but again, I think that just speaks to how good the album is. Because we talked about Jesse Taylor band for not even very long at the beginning <laughs> at the beginning of this. And this, this has been a totally Fiona Apple dominated episode for good reason. The album is just that good. But we do have some um, business to take care of here. We are changing up platforms. And so Alex explained to me just before the show, um, just so in case you see any changes with how things are posted, things like that, I want to give Alex a quick chance just to kind of explain the situation with it um, and just you know what you, what you can kind of expect moving forward here. In a nutshell, one of my New Year's resolutions was to stop losing money on podcasts in 2021. So... We were hosting ourselves on SoundCloud and had to pay to do so, but I've since learned through my other podcast, The Skimbo Lounge, available wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> um, I have since learned that we can use this service, Anchor, which is not only going to push us to like apps I've never heard of, like Dribble Beans and stuff like that. <laughs> like We'll be on all of that now. Um, I've submitted us to Google Podcasts as well. Um we're already on Spotify. So the only thing that's happening is we will be leaving SoundCloud. So if you did listen through SoundCloud, um, we're going to phase that out. I want to make sure with the release of this one, I'm only going to upload this to Anchor. And if it populates properly to Spotify and Apple and all of that, then we will we will kill the SoundCloud and we will no longer be uploading there. Um, it, we'll probably keep the account, but we won't be posting new content to it. Um, so that's it. It shouldn't affect the way you listen to it. In fact, it should just make this available more places. So what the hell? Tell your friends and leave a shiny review while you're at it. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at out on that line on Twitter out on that line one. Um, you can email us out on that line at gmail.com. Um, again, just look for us on whatever platform you like. Sounds like we're going to be just be everywhere now. We're going to be totally unavoidable for you people. So Keep it coming with those album submissions. Um, we had a great one for Jesse Taylor Band today. I think it was probably one we were going to do anyway. Um, but thank you to Andy Kuzman for suggesting that one. Um, kind of lighting the fire under our ass to get this one done um, because it was a really good album. Certainly go stream that one as well, um, wherever you get your streaming. Ever Changing is the name of the EP. Yeah, and I think they're on um, Bandcamp, you know, a spot where they, you know, you can purchase the album as well. So if you've got something to spare... I know times are tough right now for a lot of folks, but if you got something to spare, um, you know, Jesse Taylor's making some really great music. Her band's making some really great music. Help them out if you can. Um, and email us with more submissions. Um, I think we got another one in the pipeline um, from maybe friend of the pod, Zach. We'll look into that one, see if he's got, see if that's one that we want to, we want to get on there. Um, and other than that, we'd love to hear from you. Looking forward to a brand new year with you. Um, it's been a really good time so far. And uh, yeah, till next time. We'll